Good morning, Calvary Satterton, and good morning, Calvary Quakertown. It's good to see all of you on this brisk, cool fall, I guess it's still summer morning. Uh, we're still in a series that we're calling Summer of 2017, Get Busy Living. And one of the things that you've probably noticed as we've been navigating our way through the summer is there are, are a lot of different things that we can live for. We can live for pleasure, or we can live for money, we can live for respect, we can live for peace, we can live for power, we can live to accumulate possessions, we can live for fame, we can live for career, lots of different things we can live for. But I'm not sure you ever realized this. Underneath all of the different things we live for, there are only two ways to live. Underneath all of the different ways to live, there's only two ways to live. Now, uh, we've got a little assignment as we get started. This, uh, this message has gestures. Be careful, don't gesture many of the ones you're thinking. These are nice gestures, all right? So here's the first gesture that will represent one way to live. Uh, take whatever's in your lap or in your hands uh, and put it in your lap, all right? So put your phone in your lap. Uh, don't hand it to a person next to you. If you have a pen or pencil, put that somewhere. You have coffee or a donut, put it in the, coffee, the cup holder. Put the donut in your mouth. Put it, nothing in your hands, all right? You need your hands for this. We got it? And you all have to do it or we'll be here forever. All right, the first gesture is I want you to take one of your hands and make a fist. All right, well, you don't have to hold it up in the air. Wow, it's like a violent group. Of, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got a fist, right? And in that, clench it tightly, right? Um, that represents, keep holding it tightly. Some of you aren't doing it. Come on, we'll, we'll be here a long time. Yeah, that represents one way to live, right? You've got to protect what you have. You've got to get more and hold more. You've got to secure it because there are a lot of people in this world and a lot of things that we're trying to take your stuff. And so you've got to guard it and protect it and keep it secure. And that's one way to live. All right, now keep that hand there. Now, with your other hand, hold your hand out open, right? Like an open hand. Um, don't get nervous. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and sing. I know you don't do those kind of things here at Calvary Church. Uh, but this is an open hand. With your open hand, you hold things loosely. And maybe you say something like this. God, whatever you bring into my life, I will hold it loosely. I will share it freely I will trust you completely. Whatever you bring into my life, I'm going to hold it loosely. I'm going to share it freely. And I'm going to trust you completely. Those are the two ways to live right there. Um, which of those gestures best represents how you're living life these days? Are you the guard, hoard, protect, keep secure? Are you the one holding it loosely trusting that God will put into your hand lots of things, but you're going to share it freely and trust him completely? Those are the two ways to live. Now, I know some of you would like me to close in prayer because you've already got this. But I get paid to talk longer than that. So we're going to do that. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read and the passages that showed up on the screen at the beginning. We're going to read a few verses from Luke chapter 18 and then a few verses from Luke chapter 19. Now both of the passages we're going to read are very familiar to you. In fact, I've spoken on these passages to you. I've got to do it again because you're not doing it. No, that's not true. <laughs> but what we're going to do is compare and contrast 
the characters in the two stories. And here's why. The gospel writers or the writers of scripture have a reason for the flow of what they write. But we often miss the flow because we concentrate on the little pieces. But Luke obviously wants us to compare and contrast these two incidents. They come right after each other. Yeah, they're in a different chapter, but they come right after each other. And what Luke wants us to do is to compare and contrast the two stories. And interestingly, the two gestures are two gestures that will help you picture the two accounts. I want you to follow along, either on your phone or your iPad, the Bible, whatever you got. As I begin reading in Luke 18, verse 18... And then we're going to jump over to chapter 19. So here's the one. I'm not going to tell you which gesture. When I'm done, you can tell me, all right? Here we go. Luke 18, 18. A certain ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. That's the one picture. Which gesture would represent this first guy? The fist or the open hand? The fist, right? Yeah. Jesus says, come follow me. Open your hand. He says, no way, no way. He went away sad because he was holding his stuff. Now here's the next incident, um, the next uh, episode, beginning in verse 1 of Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people sold us and began to mutter, He is going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Which gesture represents Zacchaeus? open it doesn't start out that way but the incident ends with an open hand all right so here we go here are two characters the first character is often referred to as the rich young ruler now why do we call him that well first of all you see he was rich we read in that account he was very wealthy he was rich we're not sure how he got rich maybe he hit the lottery Did you see that lady? 760 million. Wow. And the question was, so are you going back to work? (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of what she did. (laughs) Uh, Work, what's that? Yeah. 
Uh, oh, by the way, if that happens to me, the platform will be vacant. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just $760 million, right? Or maybe he was a professional athlete, right? Even in that culture, athletes made much more money than normal working folks did. Maybe he was an athlete. Um, maybe he was an inventor. He invented some really cool product that lots of people uh, needed and lots of people purchased. Maybe he was an entrepreneur. Well, we don't know. We do know he was rich. We also know he was young, which probably means he got all that stuff through an inheritance. Since he's young, Matthew tells us he was a young man. He didn't have enough time to get tractions on developing a new product. He didn't have enough time to invent something and sell it. He didn't have enough time to make a living with what he was doing. He probably inherited all that he had, which means he didn't work directly for it. He probably got it from somebody else. He was rich. He was young. You know, it's good to be young, isn't it? I remember being young. Uh, and I was reminded this past week that I'm not young. Uh, the whole family was, went to Ocean City, uh, not this past week, the one before that. And so I was doing my husbandly, fatherly, grandfatherly duty. Walking on Asbury Avenue one morning while the women shopped. Uh, I was the only male present except for Jeffrey, my grandson. And since the women were shopping, I was in charge of Jeffrey, believe it or not. And they kind of didn't trust me, I guess, to hold him. So they put him in like this harness thing, uh, you know, like a backpack. But this was a front pack. And so Jeffrey's kind of right here, and we're walking. I'm not going into any of the stores because I'm wasting the morning. Oh, sorry. Having a great time shopping in the morning. And the girls are in and out of stores. And so I'm walking back and forth past the stores. And as I'm walking... This little boy and his father are holding hands. They walk by. And as they walk by, I hear the little boy say to his father, Hey, Daddy, look at that baby and his white-haired daddy. <laughs> so I went back and tripped that kid, and he now has scraped knees. Well, this guy didn't have that problem, right? He had hair, and it wasn't white. He was a young guy. He was rich and he was young. You know, those two things often don't come together. Usually it takes time to get your wealth together. If you're, you know, entrepreneurial, if you're a good business guy, if you have great skills. This guy was young and he had a lot of stuff. And he was a ruler. He was in charge of stuff. He had a crew. He would tell people what to do and they would go do it. And amazingly, he's humble enough to come to Jesus with a question. You know, I'll tell you what, if you're a rich young ruler, you usually don't go to a religious person asking them an important question. You know all the answers, right? But this guy goes to Jesus and says, hey, good teacher, what do I have to do to get eternal life? He's humble enough to know that he doesn't have his act together, even though he's really got his act together. But he's so together, he knows he's not completely together. I mean, this is a great guy, right? All right, now let's jump down to uh, Zacchaeus. There was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. You see what Luke's doing? He takes the two characters, and he puts them next to each other, and they're both very much the same. Zacchaeus is wealthy. Jesus says he's a very wealthy guy. He's also a chief tax collector. You know what that means? 
His office is in the C-suite. You know what all the C-suite? It all, all the C-suite guys, their first name of the title is chief. You're the chief CEO, CFO, CIO, CSO, CRO, CMO, all kind of, but they're all chiefs, right? And what does it mean to be a chief in those contexts? It means you set the goals. You determine the priorities. You allocate the resources. In other words, if you're in the C-suite, you tell people what to do, and they do it. They're both wealthy, and they're both rulers. You're probably saying, yeah, but it doesn't say Zacchaeus is young. You're right. It does tell us he ran and climbed a tree. <laughs> so let's take roll call through the different age stages here at Calvary Church. And let's see which of the groups would run and climb a tree. Uh, if any of you have kids in children's ministry, you know, let's say second graders through fifth graders, are any of those kids interested in running and climbing trees? You bet. How about junior high? And junior high ministry starts uh, this week, by the way, right? I said that. You need to get there, get your kids there. If you know of kids, we got a great program. You need to be there Wednesday night. Any junior hires climb trees? Sure they do. Both the boys and the girls would climb trees. The boys would have contests to see who can climb faster, right? They would make fun of each other. They'd tease each other. they run and climb trees. How about senior hires? A little more reserved. Probably their senior high girls aren't climbing any trees. And senior high ministry starts tonight, by the way. You need to be there. Um, they're but the guys are going to climb trees, particularly if it's something in it, right? Hey, I bet you 10 bucks I can beat you to the top of the tree. They're going to take off. Now, at Calvary Souderton, we have what, what we call ABFs, Adult Bible Fellowships. And I'm just going to pick on one of the ABFs. Let's pick on the Harmony class. Now, the Harmony ABF would be people in their 60s, 70s. So let me ask you, when do you think the last time Harmony class had a running tree climbing picnic one afternoon? Not many people from the Harmony class running to class and climbing trees. So we're not told Zacchaeus is young. I'll tell you what, he's not old. He's not going to the Harmony class. He may not be in the senior high class, but he's certainly on the younger end of things, or he's not going to be running and climbing a tree. You see what Luke's doing? We got two guys. They're almost exactly the same. They're both really wealthy. They're both rich. They're both rulers, they're, and they're younger rather than older. And Zacchaeus is curious and interested about Jesus. Now, Jesus is a religious guy. If you're a tax collector, you're not really religious. But he's interested in Jesus. Maybe he's heard the stories of Jesus healing people. He shows up, and since he's a short little guy, a wee little man, he climbs this tree so he can see Jesus. They're rich. They're young. They, live, they reside in the C-suite, and they're both humble and curious enough to come to Jesus. And Jesus interacts with both of them. Now, see, we often miss that when you look at it in pieces, but do you see what Luke's doing? And here's what he wants us. Which do you most resemble? Are you more like the rich young ruler, tight-fisted? Are you more like Zacchaeus, who experiences transformation and now holds things loosely? Who do you most resemble? Well, notice there's a, an invitation that's given. And Jesus gives an invitation 
Oh, excuse me. Well, before we get the invitation, how about if we do results? I'm sorry about that. Here's the results. The result for the, for the rich young ruler, he walks away sad. Attitudinally, he's sad because he whole, has a whole bunch of stuff. And Matthew tells us he goes away. We never read that he ever comes back. Let me just ask you a little side note question. Jesus issues an invitation. The rich young ruler is sad because he has lots of stuff and he walks away from Jesus. What do you think he thinks today about that decision? Yeah, probably not very much, right? Well, how about Zacchaeus? What does he do? Here's the Zacchaeus one. But Zacchaeus stands up and says to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus then says, today salvation has come to this house. This man, who was an outcast and not allowed to worship in the synagogue, this man is the son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Obviously, he was lost, and now he's found. He's been rescued. Wow, a world of difference, right? The results, they're very similar, but the results are almost opposite. Well, that brings us to, to the invitation. Now, Jesus invites them both. The same way, Jesus issues the same invitation very differently. And I'll show you what I mean. So uh, what's the invitation that Jesus gives to the rich young ruler? Now, some of you aren't going to like this, but here's the invitation Jesus gives to the rich young ruler. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, I know when I read those verses, you immediately think about, sell everything you have. Are you joking? Now, focus on the last sentence. Follow me. Now, here's why that is so radical. Here's Jesus, a rabbi in the Middle East, accepting this rich young guy. Jesus says, you know what? I would like you to be a follower. You come, follow me. In a sense, here's the invitation. I completely accept you in your richness, your youngness, and your rulerness. I accept all that. Now, you accept me. Notice, Jesus accepted him and then says, now come follow me. But Jesus is a lot smarter than we are. Jesus knows the guy can't follow him because He's following something else. You first have to stop following to something else before you can follow Jesus, right? You've got to first get something out of your hand in order to get something else in your hand. So Jesus, in a sense, says to the rich young ruler, stop following your stuff and follow me. That's the invitation. Follow me. Jesus accepts the guy and says, won't you accept me? But in order to follow me, you have to stop following what you're following now. So stop following that, then come follow me. I want you to be my follower. Come and follow me. That's the invitation. What's the invitation to uh, Zacchaeus? A little different, but exactly the same. Zacchaeus, get down here out of the tree. I must stay at your house today. Seems a little impolite, doesn't it? I mean, Jesus just invites himself over. And again, hospitality in the Middle East, he's not coming over for coffee, right? 
He's probably coming to stay at least a night, probably stay longer. And the rules of hospitality meant that when you invited someone into your home, particularly when you invited someone to share a meal with you, you were inviting that person into your life. And this is even more astounding. Jesus is accepting Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. All the Jews hated Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was making a great living. He became very wealthy, and he became very wealthy on the backs of the Jewish people. He was charging exorbitant taxes, sending some of it to Rome, keeping a big piece of it for himself, and he got wealthy on the backs of his people. He's using his own people, and Jesus accepts him. Jesus says, I'd love to come to your house. I'd love to come spend some time with you. What's Jesus saying? Zacchaeus, I accept you. Will you accept me? It's the same exact invitation. I accept you. Will you accept me? We read right after this in Luke 19. Zacchaeus welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus can't believe that Jesus accepts him. And Zacchaeus says, Lord, it would be an honor to have you at my house. And Jesus is invited into Zacchaeus' home to a place of honor at Zacchaeus' table. Not just into his home and to his table. Jesus is welcomed into the center of Zacchaeus' life. That's what the table meant, right? We did a whole series on tables in the Bible that talked about when you invited somebody to share a meal with you, it wasn't just eating for nourishment reasons. You were inviting them to do fellowship and share things in common. You accepted them, they accepted you. It's amazing, isn't it? The invitations are different, but they're exactly the same. We can say it like this. Jesus accepts both the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus, and the invitation is, will you accept me? The rich young ruler, I want you to be my follower. I accept you as a follower. Now, will you stop following what you're following and come follow me? To Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I accept you. I would love to come into your house, into your life, to, your, to a place at your table. Will you have me, not just into your house at your table, but into the center of your life? The rich young ruler says, no. Zacchaeus says, yes. And that changes everything. Well, how does this process of transformation work? Well, let's uh, play with it for a couple of minutes. There's no transformation in the rich young ruler, so there's not much to say there. But the transformation in Zacchaeus is absolutely radical. Now you've got to remember, the story starts with Zacchaeus being a money guy. He understood money, he made money, he loved money, he protected money, and he was good with money. In fact, Zacchaeus had money at the center of his life. You say, well, Charles, how do you know that? I know that. Because Zacchaeus was willing to be out of community with other Jews and never go to worship in a synagogue. Zacchaeus was willing to not have any friends. Zacchaeus was willing to trash not only religion, to trash community and to be looked on as an outcast. All, all he's willing to do all of that provided he would get money. Money was in the center. Everything else was around his life. Now here is what we learn. And wouldn't you love to have heard the whole conversation that Jesus had? We just have kind of the result. Um, Maybe the conversation went uh, something like this. 
Zacchaeus, let me uh, explain something to you called the discontentment gap. Now, Zacchaeus, here's how it works. Um, there's this gap between what you have down here and what you think is enough, right? And the gap in between what you have and what you think is enough, that's the discontentment gap. And Zacchaeus, you've done a really good job of trying to close that gap. I mean, look, it started out, you walked where you wanted to go, right? But you were pretty good at this tax collecting thing. I mean, you kind of swindled people, you manipulated. And before you know it, you could buy a donkey. And then you got a donkey. And you kept working at this tax collecting thing. And before you know it, Zacchaeus, you traded in your donkey and you got a camel. You know, a camel was like an SUV back in those days, right? I mean, you can't take your donkey up the mountains and stuff, but a camel can go almost anywhere, right? Zacchaeus, eventually you did so well, you traded in your one-hump camel and you got a two-hump camel. That's like the luxury model with a safety seat for kids in between the humps, right? And you kind of strap those suckers in, they never fall out. But eventually the double-hump camel kind of lost that new camel smell. And so you began to buy some other camels. And now you have a whole fleet of camels, right? But the camels and what you have and what you think you need to be happy, and the gap never closes, did it, Zacchaeus? It's kind of interesting. What you have keeps going higher and higher, but you're never getting closer to having enough because the more stuff you have, the more the enough stuff keeps going higher. So Zacchaeus, how's that plan working for you, huh? Now, you never play that game, right? What do you, how do you deal with that discontentment gap between uh, what you have and what you know you need? And you'll be generous and caring and giving, and you'll live with an open hand. As soon as you get up here, here's my guess. Most of us in this room have a whole lot more than we once had. That means that bottom line kept creeping higher and higher. But the top line of having enough just kept going higher and higher too, right? I'd be willing to bet, even though we've all increased the amount of stuff we have, the discontentment gap still exists. In fact, it may have even gotten bigger with the more stuff we get. So here are a few uh, sad statistics. And, you know, th this is not a sermon on giving or anything like that. This is on you know, get busy living, right? But this may, makes the point. 84% of people who live in America give away 1% or less than they earn a year to churches and charities. Let me say that again. 84% of people that live in this land of opportunity and plenty where there is more than enough, 84% of Americans give away 1% or less than they make in a year. 1% or less to charities, organizations helping others, and to churches. 3% give 10% or more. Now the Bible talks about a tithe, and this is not a sermon on tithing, right? I'm not, um, 3% give 10% or more. Why? Well, it has to do with that discontentment gap, I'm kind of sure, right? Now, I, I feel it too, right? 
You start out, right, here's what I have, and here's what I need. And when, once I hit this, I'm going to be a generous giver. I'm going to live with an open hand as soon as I get here. Um, but as you accumulate more and more, the gap doesn't shrink. You just keep wanting more and more. And the gap may even grow. It's not shrinking. Now, why is that? I think here's the point of the two stories together. Zacchaeus, having 50% with me, Jesus says, is a whole lot more than having 100% without me. Having 50% or any percent less than 100 with Jesus is a whole lot more than having 100% without him. Isn't that true? I mean, we know that to be true, and we say that to be true because we're in church, right? But when we leave, boy, that gap kind of snaps us back into a accumulation, accumulation and protection tight-fisted mode, doesn't it? So how does Zacchaeus go from living like this to living like this? Well, uh, here's the point. I read a parable. It's not in the Bible. I read a parable a couple of weeks ago. And uh, so I'm going to share the parable with you because I've been thinking about it a lot and it hurts me. So I want you to hurt. There was a, a guy struggling with addiction. And addiction's kind of trashed, relationships, his marriage, his family. I mean, everything's kind of a mess in his life. And he's walking down the street, and as he's walking down the street, it's a parable, walk down the street, he meets God. And so uh, he says, hey, God, would you take away my addiction? Would you give me sobriety? Make me sober and keep me sober. Would you please do that for me? You know, you turn the water into wine. Can you turn the wine back into water? Please, Jesus, would you do that for me? And God says, oh, sure, sure. I'd be happy to do that. Oh, yeah, but by the way, you have to give me all your money for your sobriety. And the guy says, well, well this life's in the toilet. So he takes out all his money. He had 50 bucks. He gives 50. He said, okay, you are now free from your addiction. And the guy says, well, God, I have a little bit of a problem now. I don't have any money. How am I going to put gas in my car? Car? You didn't tell me you had a car? Oh, I need the car too. Well, you need a car. I need the car too. Okay, well, I don't have any money. You can't put gas. Here's the car. Give him the car keys. And, well, Jesus, um, if I don't have a car, I won't be able to get to work. Jesus, you have a job? I didn't know you had a job. You didn't say anything about having a job. You have to give me your job. The guy says, give you my job? Oh, okay. I guess. I have nothing. I have no money. I have no car. Now I have no job. But Jesus, if I don't have a job, how am I going to get enough money to pay my mortgage? You have a house? How in the world did you? You got to give me your house. And eventually the guy says, how am I going to take care of my family? If I don't have that, Jesus says, no, I think you're missing the point. Here's the deal. Give me your money. Give me your car. Give me your job. Give me your house. Give me your family. And I'll let you use my money. And I'll let you drive my car. And I'll let you live in my house. And you can go to my job. You see, all that I have is yours. 
You give me what you, eventually you're going to give it to me all anyway. You give it to me now. And I will graciously and gladly give it all back to you. But don't forget who owns it and who gets to use it. That, friends, is called stewardship. Jesus invites the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus to do the same exact thing. Jesus says to us, I've given my everything for you to make you mine. I want you to be my follower, but you can't follow me if you're following other stuff. So here's the deal. Back to our gestures. Here's the real point. Jesus says, so you hold me tightly. You see, you do need a fist and an open hand. You need them both. But Jesus says, you hold me tightly. You hold me in the center. You keep me, recognizing that it's all mine. You hold me tightly. And you'll be able to hold everything else loosely. But I guarantee you, if you hold your stuff tightly, you'll hold Jesus loosely. And he'll be pretty tough to follow if you're following other things. 27. Busy living. Only two ways to live. Hold your stuff tightly, you'll hold Jesus loosely. Hold Jesus tightly, you'll hold everything else loosely. That, friends, is how Jesus calls us to live. The invitation not just to these two, the invitations to us as well. Let's stand and pray. Father, we give you thanks that Jesus not only issued the come follow me to Zacchaeus and the rich young ruler, he issues it to us. And he looks at us and he says, I know where you've been and I know what you've done and I know what you've been living for. I accept you and want you. Will you accept me? Will you hold me tightly and everything else loosely? I'll let you use my money. I'll let you drive my car. I'll let you work at my job and live in my house and take care of my family. If you hold me tightly, you'll hold everything else loosely. What do you say? Jesus accepts us. Balls on our court to accept him. Tell him. You don't have to tell me. Amen.